You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. If you will, go with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I've been teaching on leadership on Wednesday nights the last several Wednesdays. Going to stay with that topic. It's so vital. This is one of the reasons why it's so vital. Um, it says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. God's talking about when there's no clear vision of who God is, that there's somebody saying to people, you know, this is what God says, this is what God is, according to his word, according to the spirit, this is who God is, without a clear vision of who God is, without a clear vision that he loves you, without a clear vision that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, without a clear vision of that, there's gonna be trouble. He said, people quickly wander astray, but when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So it, Proverbs is always comparing two different thoughts, one without a clear vision of who God is and one with a clear vision of who God is. One leads to uh, wandering astray, or other translations say it, it causes people to be unrestrained. Otherwise, they, without a clear vision of who God is, without a clear vision, people just are unrestrained. There's, another translation says they're chaos. Another one says that people run wild. And so this principle of the revelation of God is a leadership principle. All the, It's a leadership principle that, that exists and works across the board. Without real leadership and a vision at your work that, that someone knows what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to be accomplished, people would just be unrestrained. They don't know what to do. They just kind of start doing, everybody starts doing their own thing. There has to be someone at work that says, here's what we're going to do today, here's what's going to happen, and here's what we're going to accomplish. Without that kind of leadership, man, it, it, it creates chaos. And that's the same way in the home. That without clear vision in the home, without clear vision in a marriage, without clear vision that you teach your kids a clear vision about what leadership is like and the direction we're going and the way we're going, then they'll, they'll, they'll become unrestrained. They'll, they'll be chaos. They'll, they'll just start doing whatever they want to do. When there was no leadership in Israel, it said every person did what was right in their own eyes. And that's what happens without clear vision and clear leadership and clear direction. So it's vital that, that for us as Christians, God wants us to lead. Let me say it again. God wants his people to be the leaders. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Troy? He said, you're the head not the tail. I put you above and not beneath. I mean, how, what else does he got to say to say, I want my people to lead, to be in charge, and not the world to be in charge? Because the results are, are dramatically the opposite uh, effect. I mean, when God's people lead, man, good things are happening. It's not perfect things, but good things. When, when evil leads, bad things happen, and it goes from bad to worse to worser to worsest, if those are words. All the English teachers can send me a note and say that's the. But that's, we know that's what happens. There's no bottom to evil, and there's no top to good. So as God's people leading in the home, leading at work, leading at every level of business, and every, in, every, in and every business, and levels of government, that's what God wants. He wants his people to lead because we have a clear prophetic vision of who God is and what he expects from us. And there's a direction 
that, that people who know God and serve God, there's a direction that we go. Leaders have to be able to not only carry the vision, but share the vision. We gotta not only carry it in our hearts, we gotta be able to communicate it. Without a clear vision, man, as I said, it's chaos, it runs wild. All of us have been in situations where there wasn't a clear vision, there was, the, the person who was supposed to be in charge didn't really know what they were doing, and it's just a mess. It never works well. You know, whether you show up at a church event, you show up at a business thing, uh, you even go to your own, you know, you uh, have a project at the house, but you haven't really thought through it. You don't have all the tools. You don't have all the stuff. You know, everybody's like, well, what are we doing here, Dad? Well, oh, well, we don't have the stuff. We don't have the tools. I mean, after, the, after a while, it's like, man, I, I don't even want to be part of this. Right? If you have a project that started like that, it's never good. It always leads to chaos. It always leads to trouble. It's not effective. It's not effective, and God wants us to lead. Church, I, I'm teaching on leadership right now because it's vital that we lead. We've allowed the world and evil people to gain authority and gain leadership, and we've sat back and taken a back seat, and this is, we're getting the results of that in our state. We're getting the results of that in our, in our community. We're getting the results of that in our nation. We're getting the results of that around the world because Christians have taken a back seat. God didn't want us to take the back seat. He wants, to take, wants us to take the driver's seat and be leading with a right heart, with a right heart. This principle about the revelation of who God is is a principle that applies to every aspect of life. Leaders speak vision. Listen to this. Leaders speak vision. They live the vision, and they model the vision. They not only can speak it, they, they, they not only live it, but they model it. So they, they can speak it, they live it for them, themselves, and then they can model it for others. They can teach it and model it for others so others can follow the vision. That's what a father does. That's what a mother does. That's what a husband, a wife that's what someone at work does. Listen, you don't have to have the title to be a leader. Let me say it again. You don't have to, be, you don't have, to have the title to be a leader. I've been in rooms where the person who had the title didn't end up being the leader. Many times. Because once, a pro, once something starts going a direction after a while, you figure out who the leaders are in the room. It's not always the person with the title. So don't look for titles. Look to lead. And don't, don't take over leadership when it's not yours to, to do if they don't they don't want you to but in the areas you get you have responsibility lead the way lead the way have a clear vision of what you want to accomplish what you want to do you know Julie and I as as parents when we started having children we had a clear vision here's the clear vision I had God whatever they end up doing for you whatever they end up doing to to honor you with that with their hands the work of their hands I'll, my clear vision is this. I just want them to love you. I want them to know you love them, and I want them to love you. That was the vision. How do we teach our children to love God? How do we teach our children to love the body of Christ? How do we teach our children to overcome? How do we teach our children that no matter what God calls them to do, you serve the Lord in every capacity, whatever job you have, you honor God. And that was the vision, 
And then, then we had to set up goals, and we had to process through emotions and circumstances and situations that they found themselves in, that we found ourselves in. But we had a clear vision. Here's my clear vision. I, I, whatever God calls my kids to do, that's, that's between uh, them and God, but I just want them in heaven with me. I don't want one generation, the Bible says a good man has, has, uh, his, his good, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I want at least three generations that I impact to be in heaven with me. That's the goal. That's the vision. And how do we carry that out? God says, I'll guide your steps and I'll guide your path. You, it's not only relevant to our future, the vision God gives us, but it's also relevant to our present because our present decisions are so relevant to what our future is going to be. So it's relevant to the future, and it brings it all the way back to right now, this moment today, right here in this house today. What will you learn? What will you grow in? What will you receive? Will you receive the word? Will you receive what God is speaking tonight and then go apply it, go live it, and go apply it to your life? That's what leaders do. That's what God wants from us. Leaders know the way, go the way, and show the way. Leaders see the reality of the situations, and they know how to move forward. They know how to move forward. They know how to show others what the next right thing is to do. And the only way you know how to do that, guys, is you have to spend time in the Word and time with God and time developing skills, skills in the area that God has placed you and called you. That's how you, that's how you get there. That's how you get there. Go with me to Matthew chapter 20. And we lead differently. We lead differently than the world. And God, Jesus stopped. He stopped everything he was doing to make this statement to the apostles. Um, and it's vital that we listen to what Jesus says right here. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25, it says this. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, let's read 24. The other ten disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. We're talking about the sons of thunder whose, whose mama came and said, Hey, will you make sure my boys are sitting right next to you? You know, a mama's always vying for their kids, right? Want them to be first. And so the other ten heard this conversation, and they're jealous, and they're mad. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, you know Jesus knows every thought you have. Knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world, world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. So he's saying, this is how the world is, man. They're tyrannical, demanding. It's all about them. Me, 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 sir, me, 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 me. Do everything for me, 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 me. And they want to, they, 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 they lead with a, with a heavy hand. They lead with a heavy hand and a, a thumb on people. And he said, that's not how I want you to lead. He didn't say, I don't want you to lead. He said, I want you to lead, but I want you to lead differently with a different heart and a different mentality. The way Jesus led. He said, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you who will live as the one who is called to serve others. You will live as the one called to serve others. So he's talking about servant leadership. So what does that look like? Servant leadership is this. I want to do things that I got to accomplish what God's called me to do as a leader. 
But I want to do things in order to bless you too. I want to sow good seeds into you. I want to see you blessed. It's not just about me going to a place. It's about us going to a place. And that as a leader, I'm also a servant. I'm also a servant. That's how you model that. As a leader of my home, I'm also a servant. As a leader of the church, I'm also the servant here. I see myself as a servant. Matter of fact, if God wouldn't have called me to preach and lead as a pastor, I was, I was greatly content just serving behind the scenes. I never asked for this. Never once did I ask for a pulpit. I knew God called me to it, so I, I'm like, God, I'll accept it, and I'll do what you called me to do. But, man, I enjoy serving. Thoroughly enjoy it. I, I wasn't born like that. That wasn't my personality. I, I, I didn't like serving in my house growing up. I didn't like taking the trash out. Had to be told ten times. I didn't like making my bed. I didn't like to serve in anybody else. That's the, that's the BC. That's the before Christ choice motherman. But when you're born again, something different happens. You know, when, when Jesus entered my life, the first day I walked out, everything looked differently to me. My eyes, I mean, I'm like, wow, I never noticed how beautiful this day is. That had passed me by. All those days before it passed me by. But I noticed, the first thing I noticed when I walked out of that service after I got saved on Sunday morning was how beautiful the day was. And that's called being born again. And then I had to renew my mind. I had to transform my mind. I had to transform my mind to line up with what my heart was seeing and begin to become a greater servant. Jesus had no problem with the disciples serving him. Matter of fact, he would instruct them to go serve him. Go find this donkey. Go set this up. Jesus had no problem being the leader. God has no problem being the leader. But he's also a servant too. And he wants, he wants us all to go with him and be blessed with him. And that's the kind of leadership we have to have. We're not perfect at it the way he is. But you know what? I'm always blessed when the people that work on our staff get promoted and blessed and move forward. It always blesses me. I rejoice in it. And I speak to our staff on leadership every Tuesday. And I'm believing God that it's helping them in every level of their life. And I'm bringing some of those lessons because I've been told by staff that's moved on and moved up and doing other things and moved to other places that that was one of their favorite things that, that I did was teach on Tuesdays on leadership. And so that, they've told me that for years. And so that's why I'm bringing it to Wednesday night because I want all of us to grow. I need you to lead in your business. I need you to lead in the government. I need you and you need me. We need each other. We need each other to, to lead and serve in our homes. If we want New Mexico to be a better place, if we want Roswell to be a place that people, that becomes a destination city, then we got to make it a beautiful place to be. I told some city leaders a long time ago, they're chasing all these businesses and they were flying to D.C. And, you know, I think most of that was just a party. Seriously, I think most of it was just to go drink and party and hobnob and rub elbows. And I, I told them a long time ago that, listen, when I thought Julie was beautiful, she didn't have to do anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm chasing her. I thought she was beautiful. I'm chasing her. I thought she was beautiful inside and out, and I'm chasing her. When we make our, I, I tried to tell them, listen, if we'll just focus, instead of chasing all these people with, out of desperation, I, I've told people many times, the worst quality of somebody in a relationship is when you're desperate. 
Desperation is an extremely unattractive feature. Matter of fact, it's a major turnoff to most people. So our city people are desperate. Instead of just focusing on Roswell, focus on making Roswell really beautiful. Focus on making our schools the best schools in the nation. Focus on making our businesses the most efficient, the most pleasant. Let's be the greatest servant. Let's have the best servant leadership in our city. Let's have the best servant leadership in our county. Let's, uh, let's make it be- a beautiful place. Let's have the best train and best police officers. Let's have the best sheriff deputies. Let's have the best hospitals. Let's have the best. Let's make it the best. And then people will just come. When you make it beautiful, you don't have to go desperately seek. People just come. They pursue. But it can't just be beautiful on the outside. It has to be beautiful on the inside too. That's what real beauty is. And if we'll do that, people will come. But guys, it's not gonna happen if we let the world run this place. The people of God need to run it. And we need to run it with a servant's heart. Not a tyrant, what am I getting out of this heart? That I, I know that I'm called to lead and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna lead and I'm gonna direct and people are gonna have to serve me because I'm the leader, but as the leader, I'm also gonna serve. That needs to be, the that's what God is saying. He didn't tell Peter, don't be the head of the church. He said, I know you're gonna be the head, Pete, but don't lord it over, don't be a tyrant. Be good to people, serve them too. And that's why Jesus washed their feet. That's why he washed their feet. He wanted them to know, hey, this is, you need to be willing to do the biggest thing in the world. What do we say all the time, Pastor Sean? Not too big to do the, to, to do the, not too small to do the big things and not too big to do the small things. That's our motto of our church, of our staff. That's, that, that needs to be, that was Jesus' model for us. Not too, not too small to do the big things and not too big to do the little things. And if you'll take on that kind of level of leadership and you'll get skilled and you're, you'll learn and you'll grow, God will promote you. Because when you do that and you live a life like that, he said, if you'll exalt me, I'll exalt you. You humble yourself before me, I'll exalt you. And that's the kind of leadership he wants. Leaders bring a viewpoint, uh, they bring uh, God's viewpoint to to, to reality. Leaders bring God's viewpoint to reality. Otherwise, they take what God says and say, and they say this, this is what God wants us to do. This is what God says to do. This is how God says to live. So we live out his view, what we call a Christian worldview, not a worldly worldview, not a satanic worldview. Leaders are able to take God's worldview and start applying it to their life and then show others how to apply it to theirs. That's what a father and mother does. Takes God's worldview and, and begins to live it and then model it for others to see and model it for their children. That model it for their children. If you're a Christian educator, model, model God's worldview. Wherever you work, model God's real view. Wherever you work, the hospital, the schools, whatever, whatever area of life, the construction, for the state, for the city, whatever you do, model God's world view of how you live that out. How you live that out. And God, God will promote you. 
And when God wants to promote you, people can't stand in your way. Seriously. They can do whatever they want to do, but they can't stand in your way if God's going to promote you. God will move them out of the way. If they're not careful, he'll move them way out of the way. Seriously, when God wants to promote you, there's nothing or no one that can stand in your way. God will promote. If you take God's worldview, you know, we, Julie and I had to model God's worldview to our children. We had to live it every day. We had to speak it, live it, right in the middle of all other realities of emotions and life happening and busyness and raising kids and serving in the church, and right in the middle of all the realities of paying your mortgage and paying your electric bill and doing this and do that, you have to live God's worldview. You have to live it out and make it real to the people around you. But it's got to be real to you first. It's got to be real to you first. How does it real? You surrender your life to him. You say, God, your view is my view. I love what you love. I love what you love, and I hate what you hate. You hate sin because it just destroys people's lives. But you love people, Lord. I love what you love. I hate what you hate. I'll do what you say is right, regardless of what everybody else is doing. That level of integrity, that level of honor, God will always promote and always bless. No matter who comes against you or who says this or who says that, I, I'm telling you, I can just tell you from experience, no one can stop you from being promoted if you'll honor God like that. No one will stop you. God will just promote you. He'll create opportunities. He'll open doors that no man can close. And he'll close doors behind you that no one can open. That's what he'll do for you. We've seen it time and time again when Saul tried for the 16th or 17th time to kill David. You know, he tried to kill David all that, more times than that, he tried to kill David, but he couldn't kill him, and he couldn't stop David from being king. Couldn't stop it. God had, or, or God had already ordained it. God had spoken it. God said it was going to happen, and it was going to happen. No one could stop David being promoted to king. No one could stop Joseph from fulfilling his role. Prison couldn't stop him. Slavery couldn't stop him. The slave owners, the liars, the cheaters, no one could stop him. The jealousy of his brothers couldn't stop him. The evil that was perpetrated in his life couldn't stop him. He ended up being the, in charge of all of Egypt. Because when God wants to promote you, nothing can stop it. And God wants to promote you. The question is, what, what, what are you willing to do in laying down your life for God? Are you willing to surrender and trust him? To live out what God says to live out on the earth and in your life, not just in public, but in private. That's what integrity is. Integrity says I'm the same person secretly as I am publicly. Come on now. It's about seeing the future, but also knowing what to do today. Leaders make the vision in the future real, they make it real and important, but also can explain why the decisions of today are very important. See the future. Man, they're able to see the future and, have, and, and explain the impact of the decisions they'll make in the present. Go with me to Galatians 6. There's a principle that we have to learn about leadership that you can't get away from. This principle you can't get away from. Uh, there's no way to get away from it. You, you just need to understand it and then you're going to live by it. You already have been living by it, 
It's a principle that God said in Genesis chapter 8, verse 2. He said, seed time and harvest will remain as long as the earth endures. Otherwise, this principle is going to be here until the world is finally over. So there's nothing going to stop it. Nothing's going to stop this principle. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this, God will never be mocked. Some people think they can mock God. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. They think they can mock God in planting evil and still get something good. That's what people think. They think they can mock God. How are they trying to mock God? They're saying that what I plant, I won't harvest. Otherwise, if I plant corn, I'm not going to harvest corn. I'm going to harvest watermelons. You, You can't violate the word of God like that. What you plant, you will harvest. That's why it's so important. The decisions you make today, tonight, right now, are going to have an impact on your tomorrow. What you sow today, you'll harvest tomorrow. How do you sow with your words? How do you sow with your actions? How do you sow with the work of your hands? How do you sow with the work of your heart? You sow. You're constantly sowing seeds, and you're going to get a harvest of it. It's coming. It's going to happen. God's not mocked. And he said, you can harvest bad or good. Listen to what he says next. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. Doesn't it? If I never told you what I planted in a field, after a while, doesn't come immediately, right? But after a while, all you have to do is go out there and see what's growing. I don't always know the difference between corn and wheat when it's growing initially. When it's just budded up a little bit, I can't tell the difference. As it gets bigger and I've lived here long enough, I can see the leaves and it's just a, the, the difference. But really, I don't even have to even know that. I could take some, a city slicker that's never seen a field that thinks groceries just pop up at the grocery store. I could take someone who doesn't know anything about it and take them out and show them and open up an ear of corn and say, what do you think this is? They're going to say, well, that's corn. So what is this? Cornfield, all they have to do is see the fruit of it. God said, I'm not mocked. What you sow, you will produce. So what you sow in division, what you sow into your children, what you sow into each other, what you sow into the church, what you sow with your words, your actions, your heart, what you sow with your passions, what you sow with your focus, what you sow with your attention, that's what you're going to reap a harvest of down the road. This is a principle that you have to get a hold of. We have to grab hold of this and understand it's never going to change. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. Really like how the passion explains this. If you sow into self, 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 it's all about you. It's selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. You're going to reap corruption. Your life is going to be corrupted. Your relationships are going to be corrupted. Your finances will be corrupted. Then he says this, if you plant the good seeds, everybody say good seeds, of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. What What is the good seed? It's the word of God in your life. That's that's the good seed is the word. The word of God is life and power. God said, my word is alive and powerful. 
The word of God, he said, I sent my word and healed him. His word heals. His word saves. His word uh, delivers. His word blesses. His word helps. His word, his word encourages. His word gives peace. His word sows real love. His word sows joy. His word sows peace. His word, his word, his word, good fruits. That's why it's so vital that you know the seed, that you know what the seed is. If all you ever know is the evil seed, that's what you'll plant. That's why God wants to renew our minds with the word of God, transform how we think so that now by our actions, our words, and our heart, we're planting good seeds for our future. The great thing about God, when he forgives you, he can uproot the evil seed if your heart, is, if your heart means it. You can't, you can't fake God into forgiving you. It's got to be genuine, sincere repentance. God, I'm changing. I might not perfected it today, God, but you know my heart is set on making these changes in my life. You know, I, I learned this principle of God very early on in my walk with Jesus because I knew the first time I asked God to forgive me and I set my heart on quitting out drinking alcohol, quitting doing drugs. When I, when I began to set my heart on living differently, I knew not, not the, the year later that I was still following every once in a while, I knew the first time I prayed he forgave me and he knew my heart that I was set on overcoming. He knew my heart was set on overcoming. So he forgave me that day and just kept moving me along. You know what he honored? He knew that I was going to have to overcome my flesh and overcome my thinking and that it might take some time, but he knew in my heart I'd already determined. I already made a decision that I was moving past these things. And he honored my heart the first time I prayed because he planted his word in my heart, and I knew eventually it was going to produce fruit of what? Deliverance. I know Jesus is my deliverer. And I knew he would deliver me from all these addictions and all these issues and all this bad thinking. I knew he would. So the first time I prayed, God honored it. He knew there was going to have to be a seed time and harvest. He said, everything functions this way. Everything functions with first a seed, then the seed has to find soil, and then the soil and the seed have to produce conception. Has to produce conception. I don't know how ladies feel about this. I don't know if they wish they got pregnant and had the baby the next day or what. But I know this, if that happened, that would damage your body so badly that that nine months not only gives that child a chance to grow and develop, but it also, it changes your physical nature so your, your body prepares to have a child. I don't know if any of you want to gain 20, 40 pounds in a night. It also gives you time to process emotionally, to fall in love with that child, to, to, to process it, to get the room ready, to get, to get you ready, to get your husband ready. See, there's a process. It never happens immediately. Seed time and harvest doesn't happen overnight. You don't plant corn and get corn the next day. That's why God says in Hebrews, through faith and patience, you inherit all the promises of God. I'll tell you what else happens when that seed is planted in you. This is what else happens. The seed gets tested by the heat of the day, by the heat, by the wind, by the drought, when you don't feel nothing, 
you don't feel anything, but you still got to believe God's word is true? When everything looks the opposite of what it should do, do you going to still believe that the word of God is true and that it will produce what he said it will produce? When it's dry seasons, where you're just dry spiritually, but you know you've planted seed. Listen, these dry, these dry farmers here in New Mexico, man, you're talking about faith, a faith-filled bunch. They're full of faith, man, to believe in New Mexico and this part of the country to grow crops. They have a lot of faith, a ton of faith to believe to do that. And that's the true test of their, of if they want to be a farmer or not. Can you overcome the negatives? Can you overcome the drought? Can you overcome the heat of the day? That's why God says it's going to take time. That's why it's the faith and patience are twins. They're partners, just like wisdom and faith are twins. Faith and patience are twins. They, they are partners in this, and you've got to be proven out. Is it really real in you? Did it really take root in you? Or is it just something on the surface that as soon as some heat comes, you're going to give up and quit? So many people plant seeds into their future, and then when it gets hard, they uproot it all. Let me tell you something. If you uproot a plant constantly, it will die. You'll kill it. you got to plant it and then fight to keep it in the soil. That's the battle. No, Satan comes around. Hey, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's getting worse. It's this. It's that. Another thing. And you got to go, whoa, no, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on to this seed in my heart. I don't know how many mothers I've known that had struggled to have babies. I mean, they had one problem after another with the pregnancy, and they had to hang on to that child in faith to even have that child. I've watched them hang on and fight for that birth. And they've clung, hung on. And that's what you have to do with the Word of God. When it's planted in you, you've got to hang on to it. If you don't think there's going to be a fight, you're sadly mistaken. Satan doesn't roll over and play dead because you got a word from God. As a matter of fact, he goes on the offensive. And you've got to stand your ground and say, hold on a second. God said every word he spoke he will perform. What he said he'll do, he'll do. That he plants corn, it's going to grow corn. He planted a word of healing in me, it's going to produce. He planted a word of restoration in me, I'll be restored. He planted a word of joy in me, I'm going to find some joy. He planted a word of peace in me, I'm going to find some peace. He planted a word of prosperity in me, I'm going to prosper. He planted a word of leadership in me, I'm going to lead. He planted the word, the word, the word. He will do what he promised and said it. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. Otherwise, it will produce what I said told it to produce, just like corn does and tomatoes do, just like human beings do. And Satan could try to pervert it and twist it. Pastor Sean and I have a podcast called The All-American View, and we talked to one of our doctors, Dr. Vega, and, man, we, we just wanted to get a, we just wanted people to hear from a, a physician and not just from two pastors about how this works. You can change whatever you want to on the outside, but you're still an XY or XX or whatever it is. You're still a male or female on the inside. Satan can try to pervert and change anything he wants to. He can twist it, cut it off, rebuild it, do whatever. It's not going to change that. What the seed was is what the seed will produce. Period. Forty-four times in the New Testament, when God talks about the Word, 
He uses the word sperma, which means seed. 44 times. The word is translated seed. Seed. The word, 44 times the word is translated in the New Testament alone. Seed. It's a seed. The word is a seed. It's a seed. I want to plant some seeds in you. Over these next couple Wednesdays, I've been trying to plant these seeds of leadership, seeds of a desire to grow, of a desire to move forward, of a desire to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Seeds to close the doors of your past and live in your present and start planting different seeds to your future. Seeds that first need to be planted in you. You can't lead until the Word of God is first planted in you. I, so many people want to lead. Man, they get saved and they want to lead tomorrow. They want the pulpit. They want the church. They want to pass. I mean, they want to do all these things or they just found out about this thing or that thing and they just want to rock it to the top. And if God does that for you, great. But that's not usually how He operates. It's a process. And you got to be willing to walk it out. You got to be willing to to go and get the seed and plant it deep in your heart and then, then you protect the seed and you water the seed. You water the seed and you protect the seed. How do you water it? You remind yourself. I mean, God, you're my healer when things look worse, when you get bad reports. You water the seed. God, God, you said if I tithe and honor you, you'd prosper me. You water the seed. God, man, I need peace. You said, Jesus, that my peace I give you, my peace I leave you, my peace that surpasses the circumstances that I'm in right now. That I walk in peace regardless of what's going on around me. It could be nuclear war and I'm going to be at peace. Seriously. You got to plant whatever you want to happen. You got to get in God's word, get the seed. The Greek word is sperma. Get the seed and plant it deep in the heart. Your heart is the soil until it, until it, until it conceives. The seed and the soil have to work together to conceive what God spoke. Then it'll start producing. You'll produce so much fruit, it'll be more than you can handle. Other people have to come. You'll say, come on, man, get in on some of this. I remember when my dad used to grow tomato plants. And I learned why other people were always leaving tomatoes on our porch, our neighbors. I learned, because my dad would say, hey, go pick some of the tomatoes and take them and put them on the neighbor's porch. Because we had so many tomatoes that we had to share them or they'd rot. So you just start giving them away to everybody. I've got people that have chickens, and man, I like eating eggs, so they keep giving me eggs. I'm gonna keep because I got too many eggs, right? Listen, man, when you're when God's moving and producing, man, you'll have enough peace to walk up to somebody, put your arm around them, say, "Listen, let me pray for you. Let me pray peace over you. You'll have enough joy. You'll have enough of. You'll have more than enough. Your cup will run over, and you'll be like, man, I gotta give this stuff away, man. I just gotta give it away." That's the kind of leaders God wants. That's the kind of leaders God wants. Everybody gets in on the harvest. Everybody. Listen, every eye closed. I mean, just out of respect for the people around you. It's not a religious thing we do. Just out of respect for those around you. Please don't move. And, and just out of 
Out of reverence for God, I, I just want you to think about where you're at. The first seed that God has to plant in you is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Lord. And a lot of people pray that, and a lot of people speak that. But God said in Romans, He said, You have to believe in your heart and say it from your mouth. Otherwise, that the seed that you speak has to be planted firmly in the soil of your heart. It's not enough just to believe it. It's got to be something that actually takes root. And you begin to produce fruit in your life of being changed, of being transformed, of being different than you, than you were. And the only way that happens is if you, you have to surrender your heart to that word. Farmers talk about a yield, what they yield. The soil has to yield to the seed. Has to yield to produce a yield. You have to yield to the word of God. Jesus is the Lord. He's not stepping down from that position anymore. He stepped down once to die for us. Now that's where he's at. He served us because he loves us. He wasn't afraid or ashamed to say, I love you first to the whole world. He wasn't afraid or ashamed to serve us like that. Now he sits on the throne of heaven, the right hand of God. And he pleads our case. He says he intercedes for us. He, he pleads our case to, to God that, to save us, to be patient with us, to heal us, to help us. He's pleading your case and has been. He wants to save your life from what? From sin and the penalty of sin, which is corruption in this life. Corrupt life, man. Corrupt relationship, just everything's corrupt. No matter what you gain, it ends up corrupt. In this life, and he, he wants to save you from hell and the next, from a lifetime, an eternity of corruption, of death. He wants to forgive you. He died to do so. He wants to rescue you from selfishness in yourself and give you a life worth living and worth giving away. And it starts with your choice. Do you really believe that that's who Jesus is? So whether you're online or you're in this room, you have a decision to make. Do you reject God and plant a, another seed in your heart of hardness of heart? Because each time you reject Him, your heart gets harder and harder. And I, I say this as a warning. People have gotten so hard that God said He's turned them over to a reprobate mind. That means they're not able to obtain salvation because they've just rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and their heart is just a stone.
But if you're here tonight, you're listening, you haven't been turned over to that. He'll take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. He'll bless you. He'll change you. He'll help you. He'll save you. But you have to surrender your life to Him. Surrender it. You have to say to Him, I don't understand how this works. I, I don't know the process, but I give you, I trust you, and I give you my life. I've done it my way. And it's not working for me. I'm still miserable, still lost. Gained everything the world has, and I'm still miserable. I've lost everything. Still miserable. I need you, Jesus, to change my life. I surrender to your leadership, to your lordship. If that's you, let's pray right now. Online, I'm going to ask you right now. If you're praying for the first time, or maybe maybe you've prayed before and you've walked away from it, you just need to come home. I did that many times. I, keep, I just keep running to God. I just kept running to God. I still run to Him. And you, you've been running away, and now it's time to run too. You want to come home. Online, send us a message. This is my first time praying, or I'm praying again because I'm coming home. In this room, on the count of three, whether it's your first time or your next time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand boldly and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight. And then right after that, we're all going to pray online, and here we're all going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand boldly and say, I'm going to get right with God tonight. Thank you. Golly, so many. That's awesome. Thank you all. God bless you. Man, it's a good night. So let's all pray. Those online, let's pray. Those in this room, let's pray. Just repeat after me. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And I believe that you said and showed me that you loved me first by dying for my sins, raising Jesus from the dead to save my life. I believe that. And I say to you, God, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I surrender my whole life to you. Teach me what that means, what that looks like, how that thinks, how that acts for the rest of my life. And I ask you, Father, to forgive me of all of my sins. And I receive your lordship and your forgiveness. And I thank you that you teach me how to live this life and life to the full in honor of you, serving you, and how to walk in your blessings and be a blessing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for how good He is. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.